What's up, mamas? It's Tanika Ray. I was a television host for 20 years before my entire life blew up when I had a baby. Shifting gears from red carpets to a gig called Mom required a whole new game plan. The carefree, globe-trotting boss babe me was suddenly in search of a mommy tribe to help me navigate the inevitable fumbles and fails of raising a kid. Mama's Day with Tanika Ray is a sanctuary for the Mommy Collective, where we amplify our self-love and self-care, trade tips on raising conscious kids, help each other fine-tune our boundaries, and celebrate the highs while forgiving ourselves for the lows in the wild, 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 wild world of mommying AF. Hi, friends. Hello, my girlfriend, my sister friend, my mocha mom friend. How you doing? I'm so good. And I'm really, really happy that I'm talking to you today because I feel like what is really important as we slide into 2022, slowly, gingerly, carefully, is that we are starting to edit the things that are impressing upon us more than ever before. I have never been so unapologetic about eh, a little like Ginsu knife eh, because we are vulnerable. Our minds are vulnerable. Our energy field is vulnerable. How does that land on you? Just that opening statement. I say that right now we are living in post-traumatic times and many of us are not aware that we just endured a very traumatic experience. And I think the only thing that is a positive out of going through this trauma is that we've gone through it together. There's not one person that's going to come out of these last two years without some kind of change to themselves, whether they admit it or not, whether they own it or not, or whether they even see it or not. You know, we, some of us see it and feel it. And like you said, we're doing the necessary pruning, like you said, the Ginsu knife. And some people are still kind of like, I just want things to go back to the way they were. And and that desire to go back to things unchanged is also a limited mindset. It's not moving into the growth mindset. That's my thoughts. I got goosebumps all over because I have so many images. I'm very visual. I always think of we're holding on tight to something. We Mm. think that's going to keep it safe, but what you resist, like that going away persists, right? And sometimes the best thing you can do is just let it go. And more than ever in my life, seeing this collective consciousness of people going, oh, I'm not ready. I need to elevate. I need to get to another level of understanding the world, how I sit in the world around me and how I need to raise my kids in preparation for the world that's never going to be the same again. Never. And so just admitting that, I think for the two of us, we're winning. Just going, no, it's never going to be the same. Because I think that's one of the reasons why I connected to you immediately. I was like, ooh, she thinks on her own. She has formulated an ideology from her studies. She has carved this path herself. And even though that scares a lot of people, there's so much power in that, especially when it's rooted in truth. 
How did that start for you? How did that journey to you creating your own world, your own thought processes in order to survive and thrive? How did that even come about? It's funny that you're talking about this on the podcast because you and I have talked about this like with each other for so long. But as you know, some of us just come out like this being free thinkers and it disrupts our families and it disrupts everybody's consciousness. And there's not like a tipping point where you can say, Hey, when were you really noticing that you had your own mind? Because if you look back on it, there's all kinds of ways in which you see your free thinking presenting itself at a young age. I mean, my mom was just in town over the weekend and we were just kind of chopping it up about how I'm leaning into the process of having teenage daughters and letting them kind of do what they want to do. And I said, you know, the real trauma occurs when we want them to do what we want them to do instead of allowing them to do what they will do anyway. See, that's the big thing, right? It's like, They're going to do it whether we want them to or not. And us leaning into it is really, it's really a liberating feeling for the parent to say, listen, they're going to do what they're going to do. They're going to pay the consequences that they're going to have to pay on their own. You know, they're going to bump their head. They're going to do it this way. And I don't have a time, but my mom and I were laughing because she used to tell me like, You can't wear short shorts. You can't wear mini skirts and things like that. And she said, and remember how you used to just pack them in your bag and you would wait until you got away from the house and you would put them on anyways. When a person is determined to do what they're determined to do, whether you like it or whether you don't like it, whether you approve, whether you disapprove, they will do what they want to do either way. And it's almost like a badge of honor for the parent that you raise kids that have agency over their thoughts and their body, right? So it's like, it's a twofold. It's like, it's, I'm, gr- I'm grateful that, you know, my child has known herself for a long time, knows what she wants, knows what she thinks. And my job, I'm pretty clear, God has downloaded this. My job is to give her the puffy padded walls for which she will bounce up against. And she doesn't have to like get hit sharp edges. However, I take that as, as, a, as a mark of success, that your kids are like, this is what I want to do. And yes, I love that your mom, your mom raised a free child. It feels like that. Am I wrong? Did she try to keep you? She did. She did. She but did. She seemed free. Was she not free? Now, I just finished reading a book about trauma. So I'm going to trauma you to death this whole podcast. Well, let me tell you this, Claudine. And, it's, <laughs> and, and like you said, everything is perfect timing. I literally just recorded my podcast last night about trauma, about healing from trauma. So this is, it's some, it's a word that used to really piss me off. Trauma. I'm not traumatized. Not me. And then being able to put the language behind, oh, that's trauma. Oh, well then maybe a little bit. So you tell me where we are in the world of trauma and how you're navigating through it. Cause we've all got it. Sure. So essentially this whole pandemic has brought to the surface for many people, issues that had been laying dormant, things that you hadn't thought about. So when I read this book about trauma, the way that trauma would be defined is 
If you were once feeling safe and then you no longer felt safe in a sudden way, or you you felt safe with someone and that person then made you feel unsafe. And so when you ask about my mom and how my mom does have a free spirit and anyone who's met her knows that she's just, she's just a very much like live out loud kind of person. I love your mom. (laughs) But one thing that she brought with her into her parenting was her own trauma. And when you bring that into your parenting, you're doing your best to protect your kids from your trauma. And sadly, what you do is you then stifle them because of the fears that you have based on your own life experience. And that turns into control, that turns into abuse, that can turn into a bunch of different things. I'll give you an example, parenting moment, right? Since this is mama stay uh, <laughs> with Tanika Ray. And, and wait a minute, do you have your Oprah cup? For you. Oh, always full. That's my cup right there. <laughs> I figured um, it, was, it was so on brand. <laughs> so this morning, I had a mom moment where I was like really testing my, my nonviolent parenting, which is something I'm really proud of, something I've definitely had to have a lot of discipline to get myself through some challenging situations. And now I have teenagers, so it's a whole nother ball game. but I don't want to put my hands on my kids. And I know that might not be popular, especially with people who have been raised with me and people who've been knowing me and know my family. They know, you know, get in that ass and spare the rods, spoil the child. I'm not getting in nobody's ass. Now, here's the thing. This morning, I asked my daughter to get up and start getting ready for school. She refused. And um, so I went back in in five minutes and I, you know, I said, okay, well, can you please get out of the bed now? And she opened her eyes and she looked at me and she said, I need a few more minutes. Mm -hmm. And my first urge was to physically pull her. And I'm just being honest right now because we're honest, right, Tanika? That's all I know how to be. My first urge was to pull her out of the bed and force her to get up and get moving. But in my practice of nonviolent parenting, I've tried other strategies like, okay, well, you know what? If you don't have to go to school today, I'm going to go ahead and take your siblings to school and um, you can have a mental health day, but I'm not going to fight this battle. It's not that serious. One thing that I've learned is that you don't need to be in school because you haven't been in school for actually like two years. (laughs) So obviously... (laughs) You are still okay, you know? And so I said, if you need a mental health day, I'll take the kids, the other kids to school and you can stay here and you can, you know, recover in the bed. And I said, but there won't be any electronics. So it's not like you're going to be watching TV. You're not going to be on your phone or anything like that, but you can definitely have a day. We all need a day to rest. I'd be needing a day to rest, right? So I left the room and I went about my peacefully went about my morning, got my coffee, got myself showered, got myself dressed, got myself in the car, got the other kids in the car. Guess who comes to the car? Ready? Ready as can be. Okay. This is a really important moment because I very, very much understand that initial fire burning in your soul. That's like, I'm about to smash this child with the, with the strength of 14 people. Get your butt in the shower, right? And let me just, as we are being honest, 
it is something I can feel the fire now. I need to like fire calm down because these children, nobody, nobody pushes your buttons like your child. They literally can zero in on that one thing that's going to set you off. And they're like, tapity tap, tap to tap, tap. How did I'm like the amount of times I say, how dare you? (laughs) It's I can only say that so many times. So if I'm dealing with it at seven, I can only imagine what's going on at 11, 12, 13, 14. And why do you think these kids, they feel free to do that. But why do you think they buck up and start talking to us like that? So I don't have an actual reason, but I do know that abusing them into being submissive doesn't work either because that's the approach that I feel like I saw more frequently when I was a child. And as a free thinker, as you stated earlier, I've never been one to back down. You can attempt to bully me. You can attempt to abuse me. You can attempt to control me. You can take things away from me, but I'm going to tell you how I feel. I'm going to say what I have to say. I'm going to get it off my chest. And if it pisses you off, so be it. Now, I have a child who's very much like that as well. She's going to say what she wants to say. So the way I look at it is this is going to be an excellent adult. (laughs) This is going to be a yes. It's going to be a leader. This person is going to be able to assert themselves. This person is not going to be, you know, kind of like, what do I want to say? I grow managed in the workplace. Like this person is going to be good, right? You're not going to be a sucker. Boom. But parenting this person, who baby? Baby. Mm. I never understood. Well, I'll say it. I never understood what my mother was going through. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because I was strong, I was very sure of what I knew or what I thought I knew. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I, I don't regret any of my moments where I stood up to the authority in my house at all. Mm-hmm. However, what I say to my daughter is, and I'm pretty honest with her, she'll be like, why don't you and Grammy hug? I don't even think about it. It's mm-hmm. not a part of our relationship. Which is so sad in itself, right? Yeah. But I I understand when your child doesn't do what you want them to do and there's constant resistance, I can understand how you could not like that person. Oh, absolutely. And so interestingly enough, this weekend we had a moment, the daughter who is very expressive, which is the word I use. The second one? Yep. Yeah. Yep. The one Um, that's an Aquarius? Nope. 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 My Aquarius daughter is very agreeable. She's, Ah! yeah. mm -mm. My Aquarius daughter is very kind of go with the flow. Like, you know, go with the flow. lot of Aquarians in my life, you included. And, you know, it seems to be a good match for me as far as relationship and relationship. But um, the one who's giving me the more kind of the angst is the cancer. That's what I have, Claudine. I know, I know. What's happening with the cancers now? What's going on? My thoughts are because the cancer is a feeler and they have a lot of big feelings for those of us 
who are just trying to approach it from a, let's just get this done. Let's take the feelings out of it. Let's do facts over feelings. We're not actually like honoring where they are. And I'm in therapy and I'm trying to figure out why I don't have the capacity to kind of honor that. But anyways, that's a whole nother podcast, right? But but you are a Capricorn. So you're very analytical. It's like, it's pragmatic. You're very pragmatic. So I get that. And and we can't ignore those things. I I don't want moms to go. There's no one way to parent anybody. We do need to take into account that where the sun was, where the moon was, where the stars were when you were born. It all is information. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you're pragmatic. Your child is a feeler. So I have a problem because I'm Aquarius. I may not have feelings. I mean, I know I do because I feel like I want to cry right now, (laughs) but It's not where I lead. I lead from my head, right? So Mm -hmm. I love that you're going to therapy for that. What has been one of the greatest things your therapist has said about bridging that gap between pragmatism? I don't even know if that's a word. Pragmatism. (laughs) It's your pragmatism. You better make up words if you feel like it. Okay, girl. Between pragmatism (laughs) and feelings, girl. Feelings, all them feelings. The therapist, first of all, you know, she's just amazing. And, you know, I'm very happy to be able to speak with someone who I don't have to code switch with. So I knows the vibes. She gets what I'm saying. She understands how I'm trying to discipline with no hitting, with no abuse and stuff like that. And she she basically says that a lot of our reactions are stemming from our trauma. So when we feel our rage come up, it's an opportunity for us to look inward and ask, why does this bother me so much? Why does it bother me so much that she won't get out of the bed? And um, my mom was here and I had her in the house with us this weekend. And she heard my expressive daughter saying things that were what my mom would have called 30 years ago, disrespectful and disrespectful was not allowed. And when you were disrespectful, you received physical consequences. And I won't do that. I will not do that. And one of these major light bulb moments is when my mom just was like, you're doing a really good job because she does not like that she resorted to her anger in those moments and to know that I'm able to reflect back to those times and let my mom see those moments in the way I parent is it's really it's like an awakening for all of us you know yes oh that's a goosebump moment because that's all they knew to be honest. And the thing that's fascinating about your mom, because in my mind, I thought it was only the black community that resorted to that. That was basically obviously taught from slavery and it's passed down. I mean, it's the roots are deep. So it's shocking that your mom resorted to that as well. Like I wouldn't have guessed that in a million years. Well, we've already established that although my mom is white, She's not really white. She ain't really white. That's true. That's true. And did she grow up in a predominantly black environment? 
to be honest with you, a lot of it stems from class. And um, I often, when I start talking about this, but poverty is poverty is poverty. And you're coming from, you know, my, my mom's father was an immigrant. They, They had to be homeless for a while, you know, I mean, things like that. It's a lot of it is part of the racial construct in this country, but a lot of it has to do with the level that you are in the socioeconomic classes in this country. That's a brilliant point. Thank you. You know, I, I've heard that we do get very distracted with the racial thing, but really when it comes down to it, this country is truly about class. It's truly about class. All these public schools, there's mandates, but the private schools maybe not fascinating. So that's a, that's a whole other thing, but that's something for people to chew on that. We do get very distracted with this race baiting race sort of hatred, but at the core, if you don't have anything, you're going to be treated like crap. This is also very off topic, but you and I, we go here. We go right. So during the pandemic, I, spent a little bit more time watching documentaries and I'm, I'm a lifelong learner. I read books. I like to watch trash TV. I don't even know what's going on in pop culture half the time. I don't even care either. Me too. Girl, to be honest, it's, it's basically messaging that's keeping us from looking at the deeper things that are going on. So Claudine, mm. you said that very casually, mm. but that's some real shit right there. Oh, it's real life shit. And so during the pandemic, I caught up on my documentaries and one of them was the documentary that was talking about the opioid epidemic and that the target, they targeted poor white people. That was the initial target because that was an expendable group of people. And for those of you who may be a little bit younger, you may not remember, but there was something in this country called the crack epidemic. And during that epidemic, the expendable culture was the poor black culture. And so when you look at it, if you really want to take a deeper dive into why this system is set up in the way it is, we don't have to go back to Thanksgiving pilgrims and how they annihilated the Native Americans in this country. We can just look right back into the opioid epidemic in the early 2000s, or we can look in the early 90s into the crack epidemic. And what you'll find is there are people who are benefiting from our demise, whether it's poor whites, whether it's poor blacks. You're looking at people who are benefiting when we're taking the big losses. There's absolutely no money in the cure. You have to keep people sick. And so we are at a crossroads right now where we are being summoned. Truly, if you're listening, if you're awake, if you're conscious at all, you're listening going, oh, there's no more autopilot. I need to be intentional and awake in every moment of my life. Because what the, I, I love this quote, it says, not everybody can go, boo. Not everybody can go. And I'm very clear I will be going because I am awake. And I hate the whole awake, woke thing. They've ruined that for me. But I'm paying attention and I have turned off a lot of TV. And that's 
bizarre coming from me, a person who literally, I think that was my first after dance TV was my second love. Yeah. It's what we were raised on. We parents plopped us in front of the TV and that was it. It was, it was all my programs. And so raising children has become super tricky on billion fronts, but most importantly, what she's watching. Like my daughter, she only is allowed to watch television on the weekends. Okay. Mm -hmm. And most of the time it has to be a streaming service because there's no commercials. Not that that matters because they're putting it into the shows. Every once in a while, we're catching something on an actual channel for kids. And the commercial that comes up is makeup for little girls. Mm, mm, mm. And I'm like, what channels? What, what's happening? Like you li- it will blow your mind. Let's convince them that they're not beautiful enough right now. Let's start programming them to have low self-esteem right now. Let's get it going. That's a whole other topic in itself. They know that pays the bills, making women insecure. Listen, the anti-aging campaigns are just out of control. Here we are. I mean, you and I entering into probably the second half of our lives. I saw it. (laughs) (laughs) And just kind of being inundated with this message. Like when I stopped coloring my hair, people were like, and when I say people, I'm talking about people who I love dearly. We're like, I need to talk to you. Okay, what's going on? You need to dye your hair. You need to dye your hair. Why do I need to dye my hair? What's going to, like, is it going to save the world if I dye my hair? Because that's really why I'm here. <laughs> I know right. why I'm yeah, Maybe I don't really understand what I'm all about. <laughs> I'm not here for all that. I'm here to save the And I already got my man, by the way. <laughs> I already got my man. That's the other thing. And I had to take that into consideration. When you're being advised, it's always good to look at the advisor. One thing I always say is that when someone gives me advice, if their life isn't a life that I am inspired by or isn't a life that I aspire to have, then their advice is something that I take with a grain of salt. Let's just say. Maybe not even that. Okay. (laughs) No, but it's real. And I think because you work in an environment, I mean, you're a, I don't even know what your, what is your title? Because I don't want to minimize you by giving you a singular title. I interviewed a girlfriend who calls herself a spiritual psychologist. And I thought that was brilliant. So I know you've got some sort of hybrid description, or at least you should work on that. I guess I just call myself a wellness expert. You know, I am a fitness trainer. When I do my workouts, I do share parts of my life and things I've overcome. I usually try to infuse it into the workout to get the most out of people. Exercise imitates life, how we how we push through discomfort, how we overcome injuries and obstacles, how we still stay consistent throughout, how we commit to our health and wellness, how we are preventatively taking care of ourselves instead of reactively taking care of ourselves, how we try to be natural in our approach. These kinds of things are like my 30 years of work. This is my life's work. So it's interesting to me right now when people who have been consistently unhealthy are kind of like 
telling me how to be healthy. I'm like, wow. <laughs> okay. Yes. The audacity, right? Girl. <laughs> and, and that's what's becoming really clear to me too, because I'm not a big judger of people. I love, as you know, I kind of like accept everybody until they show they ass. And then I'm like, oh, okay. I'm such a lover that way. And what's become really clear is some of us have, have been feeding on bad information. We've been stuffing our faces with negative information or negative content. And one of the things that has saved me over the last year and a half is that not only am I unapologetic in cutting people, but I'm unapologetic in cutting accounts on social media out of my life. It's one of the things that we talked about a long time ago. My job, and most people know me as a television host, entertainment reporting, there was nothing joyful or light-filled about that industry. It's only capitalizing on, oh, they got in a car accident. Oh, who are they dating? Oh, they broke up. Oh, Tristan cheated on homegirl again. It's depressing. Yeah, it is. It's uncomfortable that I'm really good at it, but it was <laughs> depressing. You are really good. <laughs> the part I still can't figure out. And how can I use what I used to do in a way that saves the world, right? Maybe that, that's where we really connect that we've never really talked about is we both are light workers and we both really want humanity to save itself. They have the tools, but they have to make better choices. Thanks for hanging out, Mama. I know how little time we have in our day to honor ourselves, and I'm just thrilled to be a part of it. Make sure you click like, rate, and subscribe. I'd love to hear what you think about today's show and what you want to hear going forward. Remember, mommying is a gift, and you're doing a kick-ass job. So, woosah and mama stay. Mama stay.